As he had witnessed a thousand misdemeanors, heard a million lies. He knew where all their skeletons dangled, and thus he knew which effluence, in the end, would compel them. Five friends, twenty years. How quickly the time had passed, he thought. How agonizingly slow the erosion of his grief. He regarded their adult lives not with envy nor hatred, but rather with an overwhelming sense of sadness. Pity, at times. One of them had a pretty wife, a cute-as-a-button daughter. One, a retarded sister to whom none of this would mean a thing. So much to lose. They did not know it, but he had already integrated himself into their lives— had already staked a place on the outer rim of their daily routine. He might have been the man in the business suit, the man in the overalls, the man in the uniform. Who knew? He might even have been the man who stood at the altar, resplendent in white satin, holding the Holy Eucharist on high. The young woman whose salt now toyed with his senses had probably been no more than a toddler on that Halloween night twenty years ago, off to bed at eight, her aromas then so sweet and innocent. Now she was a woman. Now she covered her odors with roll-ons, lotions, perfumes, hygiene sprays. Now she fucked men for great sums of money, and the job demanded that she smell like a harlot. And from where he stood, she did. The young woman's name was Kathleen Holt, but her professional name, her nom de boudoir, was Kiki. He had met her at the bar at Lola Bistro about a year earlier, and considering her profession, she had been easy enough to approach, if not extremely expensive, to entertain. That night he played the slightly rumpled Ivy League academic right down to the tweed blazer and boyish cascade of hastily trimmed hair over his forehead. During their twenty minutes together at the bar he had used words like egregious phrases like mise en scène. She had nodded, baffled, yet seemingly comfortable in her puzzlement. In this setting, Kathleen Holt looked to be just another young professional in her conservative navy blue dress and matching pumps. But he already knew who she was, what she was, what she cost. And to that end, without too much tango, they got down to business. The first time she seduced Johnny Angel for him, it cost nearly $2,000. Women who looked like Kiki didn't come cheap regardless of the relationship, and men in Johnny Angel's line of work had long entrenched defenses against them. But eventually the animal in the man surfaced, poking its wet nose through all the sediment of Roman Catholic guilt, through all those richly colored vestments in which Johnny had been so tightly bound in the prime of his sexual life. Because no matter what the constraints of this life, nor the perceived fires of the life hereafter, all men, all people, could be made to act like animals. He was counting on it. Kiki had followed up with a phone call, as per their agreement, and told him that Johnny Angel had fucked her and wept that night, fucked her and wept. A pathetic act of contrition, he had thought upon hearing this,
the puny wail of a man who once thought himself divine, at least to some degree, only to find himself so sadly out of uniform, debauched with middle age, the stain of roadhouse whiskey on his breath, the briny scent of a common whore on his cock. Yet that encounter six months ago had simply lit the lamps for this night, this gloriously luminous night. It had finally come after seven thousand dark others, a night during which Johnny Angel would meet both his god and his devil, and discover after so many years of unflagging self-denial, they were one and the same. From the closet, he watched Kiki sort through the small stack of CDs on the dresser, pale, gently freckled breasts just inches away from his hands. She selected a disc, some of